Hey, I'm Brandon, the online campus pastor here at Big Valley Grace, and thank you for taking a moment to watch this message. It is the teaching portion from one of our live weekend worship gatherings, and we have those every single weekend here online and in person, and I just want to extend an invitation to you to join us. We're just a local church, local body of believers, and we would love if you would join us uh, on a weekend upcoming here sometime soon. Uh, but as we get headed into this message together, a couple things just want to point you to. One is a connect card. If there's any way that, that we can pray for you, if you want to contact us, that connect card form is just a really great way uh, to let us know that you're joining us. Any next steps you want to take, stuff like that is right on there. Also, if you want to bring in offering, a worshipful gift uh, to King Jesus, you can do that right on our give page on our website or via text. So hope you enjoy the unpacking, the unfolding of the word as we look at it together. Well, I also want to welcome you to Big Valley Grace Community Church. Welcome to everyone who's here in the Worship Center on the Modesto campus, and welcome to everyone who's joining us live right now in our online campus. We're excited to be with you in whatever room you're in. I met a number of people this morning, and this is the phrase they said, I'm back, I'm back. And so if you haven't been here for a while in person and today you're back, we just want to say welcome. We're glad to have you back. And if you're here for the very first time, we want, to know, we want you to know that we're really glad that you're here. And if this is your first time coming to Big Valley Grace Community Church, it's our hope that by being here together today with the church family, that you would be very encouraged and that you would be built up and you would be prepared and you'd be ready for the things that come next in what God has allowed for your life. And so we're really glad that you're here. Welcome. I have taken Pastor Bobby's challenge that he has given us in regards to the Easter invitations. And as my wife and I, we pray every year about how we're going to invite our neighbors. And as we were thinking through that, the timing was perfect. One of our neighbor kids came to the door and he was selling pies as a fundraiser for his football team. And so we counted up how many neighbors are we wanting to invite? And that's how many pies we bought. And yesterday they got delivered uh, to us. And today I've got the stack right here of all of the invitations. And we're going to put them with the pie. And we're going to go deliver them to our neighbors and invite them to come to church, to come to our church with us on Easter. And so I want to challenge you. How are you going to go and spend some time thinking about how you're going to invite your neighbor that they might come to church with you. We've been in 45 days of prayer as a church family, and it's been an important 45 days to be praying in regards to a lot of things that are happening in our world. And today is day 37, and this is one of the lines that we're praying for as for our church family, that the message of Jesus' lordship overall and in all is well communicated, and that his majesty and his kingly position is understood and embraced by all who hear. And we recognize that Jesus Christ is Lord over all and that he's the king. He's the king of the universe and we want to live in response to the king. When we see things in this world that aren't right, we need to stand up for it. And I want to give you an update on something I shared with you last week about Assembly Bill 2223. Our team did research. We've updated this document. Some things have progressed over the last week, and we have an updated call to action, and we want to make it available to you. They're in printed copy, available at the Information Center right out in the lobby. 
And so I'd encourage you to grab one of those and it explains the bill, explains the danger of it, and it explains clear action steps that you can take. And I want to invite you to do that. Today, Pastor Brandon Peterson and I, our online campus pastor, we're going to be team teaching. And today we're going to be in John chapter 12. And if you have a Bible, you can turn to John chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, we want to give you one. There's two ways we can do that. First, on the Modesto campus, you can come to the altar room. It's a room we pray for people in after the gathering. And we have Bibles there. They're free. We want to give one to you as a gift if you don't have a Bible. If you're with us online, just reach out to Pastor Brandon Peterson and the online campus team, and we'll get you a Bible. We want everyone to have a copy of the Word of God. Just prior to this was the passage that Pastor Bobby read about the triumphal entry. And Jesus is the king, and he's coming into town as the conquering king, like a king who just returned from war having victory. And that's how he's entering town in this triumphal entry and procession as a king. And there's witnesses that are in the crowd. And those witnesses are witnesses of a miracle that Jesus performed when he had raised Lazarus from the dead. And so a crowd has gathered because they want to see this miracle worker. They want to see this triumphal king. And there's also a group of religious leaders there, the Pharisees, and they weren't real happy about what was going on. And that's where we pick up in verse 20 in John chapter 12. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. This group of people, this crowd had gathered, and they want to see Jesus. And when they say, we want to see Jesus, they want to see the conquering king. They want to see the Messiah. They want to see the anointed one. They want to see the Savior. They want to see the miracle worker. Now, what this group finds as they come looking for Jesus is very, very different than what they were expecting. And Pastor Brandon is going to walk us through that. Pastor Brandon. Well, I think it's super cool that there's this crowd, they've gathered, they want to see Jesus, and now we get to hear from Jesus as Jesus presents Jesus. We get to hear from him how he describes himself, and so we're going to start in verse 23. We're going to move through this section here together pretty closely, so if you've got your Bible, uh, follow along. If not, it'll be up here. Jesus answers them, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Okay, so that is his answer. The hours come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And everything he's gonna do now in the next 10 verses is going to unpack and it's going to explain what exactly that means. And he's gonna use primarily a single illustration. And here it is. He says in verse 24, Truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies... It bears much fruit. So Jesus, as he often does, he uses an illustration. And he's going to tell the story of a seed. And I'm going to do the same here for a second with this. This isn't a grain of wheat. This is a seed. It's from my backyard. Picked it yesterday. Okay? Yeah, fresh seed. 
And uh, the first year that my wife and I were married, or not, not the first year we were married, the first year we got into our, our first home, okay? We've been married for a few years. We're in an apartment, and obviously you can't plant anything in an apartment. And we get into a home, and first thing we do is we, we go down to Costco, just getting started, and we go and we get a tree. We got a little bit of a head start. It was about three feet, three feet tall, so it didn't start like this, but it did start like this, okay? Now, Unless this little seed right here, unless it went in the ground, what happens to this little seed? Stays alone, remains alone. It's on top of the soil. No tree comes, no life. There's no future seeds. But something really amazing happens if this seed goes into the ground. And it's the same reason that my wife and I, we planted that tree. It wasn't for the shade, It wasn't for privacy to block out our neighbors. It wasn't because it was a particularly attractive tree either. It's not. The reason we put it in the ground is actually, it's the same reason that that on the weekends, on Saturday mornings, uh, my little kids, I've got four of them now. One is a 34-day-year-old newborn. We've got a two a uh, year old, about to be three this month. We've got two seven-year-olds and all the ones that can move, they go down to the sliding glass door. And I know exactly what's on their mind. They wanna go outside. And they wanna go outside for one reason. And the reason that they wanna go outside is for this right here. Mandarin oranges. Because they know if they go to the tree and they pick one of these and they bring it to dad, dad will take this Dad will zest this, and dad will make chocolate chip orange zested pancakes. (laughs) And the morning is good, okay? Now, the purpose that Jesus is making with the illustration is to show that the seed, it produces fruit. And this represents something, as the illustration should do. And so Jesus is the seed, and he is going to produce fruit, gonna go into the ground and he's gonna produce fruit. He's gonna bring to life, what's the fruit represent? It represents people that he's going to bring to life. And something that's super important about the illustration is that the fruit comes from a certain type of seed. This seed is a mandarin orange seed. This is a mandarin orange fruit. This fruit comes from this seed. And there's a consistency and a continuity from this seed to this fruit. And when Jesus is in Matthew chapter seven, he says, you'll know a tree by its fruit. And in the same way, you're gonna know what type of seed a tree is. If you look at a fruit tree anywhere, you know what type of seed planted it. You can look at the fruit and say, that fruit has a consistency to the seed that was once planted. And so what Jesus is gonna do now in the, in the passage is he's gonna walk through and he's gonna give some characteristics. What is that fruit like? Because the fruit shares the same heartbeat in the life of the seed. So the the notes in our outline right here, it says, Jesus the seed brings life to people, the fruit who share his same heartbeat. And there's three of them, and we'll go through these real quick. Verse 25, whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And so his people are going to share first a heart that beats for eternity. 
It doesn't beat for the here and now. It doesn't beat for the things of this world. It doesn't beat for this life. It beats for eternity. It shares the heartbeat of the seed. And when it says that little phrase there, whoever hates his life, that sounds extreme. Well, that was just an expression that was used. Jesus used it in Luke chapter 14 when he said, if anyone comes to me, he must hate his family. Is Jesus saying you must hate your family? He's saying you must hate your wife, hate your kids. No, it's, an, it's a term of expression. It's saying that following Jesus, loving Jesus should be so, there should be so much commitment to that that in comparison, there's, there's no comparison. And when Jesus is saying you gotta live for eternity, it's not saying hate life, hate your life. It's saying love your, your eternal life and long for that so much that by comparison, the here and now is seemingly worthless. That's what he's saying. Then in verse 26, he gives us the next heartbeat. It says, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the father will honor me. He uses the word three times there. And that's a heart that beats for serving. Jesus came to serve. He said that. He showed that. In Matthew's gospel, it tells us that the son of man didn't come to be served. You'd expect a king to be served. But he said and said, no, I came to serve. Paul tells the church at Philippi, he says that Jesus, he humbled himself. He took on the form of a servant. So the type of people, the type of fruit that are going to come from Jesus are going to have a heart that beats for serving. And the last heartbeat's right here in verse 27, and it says, now is my soul troubled. Jesus gets a little personal, and he, he shares, he's wrestling with what lies ahead, and he says, my heart's troubled, my soul's troubled. What should I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. In other words, how can I even think to avoid the very thing that you have me here? Yeah, it's hard, but that's your will. And he ends with this little phrase here, Father, glorify your name. The heartbeat that the fruit shares of the seed is a heart that beats for the glory of God. That God, above all things, would be gloried, would be glorified. His plan, his purpose, his will, his honor, his praise would outdo any that we'd want for ourselves. And so there we got three different heartbeats that the fruit shares with the seed, come from the seed, and that's a heart that beats for eternity, a heart that beats for serving God, and a heart that beats for the glory of God. And as we get to verse 28, something really interesting happens. It's happening mid-teaching, right? Jesus has been giving this illustration, walking through what the fruit lights and light is like. And now as 28 begins, Jesus is now praying because he's talking to the Father. He's saying, Father, glorify your name. And now as he prays to the Father, the Father responds. A voice from heaven comes, it says, and it says, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. So Jesus says this short prayer, and then God audibly responds. And we know it's God the Father because Jesus just said, addressed God the Father, and the Father says, I. So we know that's the exchange going on there, but we get this little crowd reaction. And you know when you watch, maybe you watch this or you watch the online campus and, or you watch maybe a, a seminar or a teaching or a comedy show or something, there's multiple camera angles. And not all of them are on the teacher. Some of them are on the crowd. And it'll cut in these little crowd shots. That's what's happening here. 
It's this little aside to Jesus' teaching. There's this crowd, and it's reacting. It's responding to what's going on here. Sees this happen. The, the crowd gets panned on from the camera, and this is what happens. It's the reaction of the crowd. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, okay, another camera angle, another bistro table with a couple responding. An angel's spoken to him. So there's great confusion and disagreement about what's going on here. They don't know what to make about what just happened. Is it something that's natural? Is it something that's supernatural? They're reacting. There's whispers among the, the crowd. And so Jesus now, he responds to their reaction. They've got questions. He's gonna give a clear answer. And he says, okay, that voice, that was a voice, and that came for your sake, not for mine. That was for you. Jesus and the Father, they were constantly talking. He's, I talk to the Father all the time. My voice wasn't for me. That was for your sake. Well, that was for their sake in, in two ways. First one's this. Just like when Jesus was baptized, God the Father said this, he said audibly and publicly, this is my beloved son in who I am well pleased. Let everyone know. It's commissioning God the Son giving this, this audible affirmation, confirmation, endorsing his ministry. That's the first way. The second way that this was for their sake, it was for them, is that when there's a loud voice from God that rings out, you'd better pay attention. I'll tell you a quick story. My oldest son, he's seven, I mentioned, uh, he started out Little League this year. Uh, it's his first year playing, and uh, I've spent a lot of time this past couple months at the ball fields, a lot of time. I've met some of you, which has been really fun. We've got to be friends. Um, but one thing that I find really fascinating about the ball fields is what I like to call bleacher culture. <laughs> and bleacher culture is a sophisticated culture. It's a culture that even has its own language, I've come to learn. There's many phrases to ble bleacher culture language. And every game, probably a hundred times, I hear this phrase, over and over, and it's a remarkably versatile phrase. It's like the pumpkin spice of phrases, kind of gets added to everything, and it's this. Be ready. Be ready. Doesn't matter, batter, pitcher, outfield, be ready. Batter, hey, elbows up, be ready. Eye on the ball, be ready. Plays it first, be ready. And again, I'm, I'm with seven-year-olds here, so usually it's like, put your glove on, be ready. <laughs> hey, outfielder, turn around, be ready. Put the grass down, be ready. And it's like, it's kind of like the parent's kind equivalent of pay attention, but it's softer. And there's a reason that parents, and now myself, often are hollering, be ready. And it's for this, because there's nothing worse, nothing worse than when there's this sound. There's a crack of the bat, and they're not ready. The glove's not on. They're facing the wrong direction. The ball goes by. It's chaos. It's fun to watch, but it's chaos. And what Jesus is saying is he's saying, that was for your sake. God was getting your attention. And the reason why that's so important here is because he's about to give the most important statement to explain what I said is the purpose of this passage. 
purpose is that the Son of Man is now going to be glorified, and he's going to explain that clearer than any other section right here. It says in verse 31 and 32, Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Did you catch what he just said? Did you catch what was so shocking about what he just said? Maybe not. See, our 21st century ears aren't tuned to the same way that first century ears were. And I'll, I'll show you why. If I were to say, when I am lethally injected, that would hit different, wouldn't it? If I were to say, when I go into the gas chamber, or when I'm strapped to the electric chair, that sounds different than what I just read in verse 32 to your ears. You respond differently. But that's exactly what's happening. That's exactly what he's saying. In first century Judea, uh, the Romans were in charge. This was one of their provinces of their vast Roman empire. And one of the things about being in charge is you get to make the rules. You get to make the punishments. And the Romans being in charge, they were the only ones who could enforce capital punishment. The only ones who could execute people. That's why we see Jesus later brought before uh, a Roman. And the method of execution that they had found uh, brought about the most pain and then therefore created the most fear was crucifixion. They'd take your hands and they would nail them to a beam. And they'd take your feet and they would nail them to a beam. And then they would lift you up from the earth. And you'd hang there bleeding in agony until you could no longer lift yourself to breathe and you'd suffocate. And so when Jesus said, when I am lifted up from the earth, he's talking about being crucified. And just to make sure that we didn't miss it and we know that that's what he's talking about, he says exactly that. It says it in the very next verse, describes it. He said this to show by what kind, what method, what kind of death he was going to die. He's gonna be crucified. See, all throughout the gospel of John, we have references to the hour that's coming. The moment's gonna come, but it's not now. It says so in John chapter two, says so in John chapter seven, John chapter eight, but this is the very first time that it says now. It's now. The time has come. It's actually going to happen. You've got to imagine the crowd reacting to that verse. Wait, 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 wait. You mean that that's actually going to happen? You mean that that little fruit seed illustration, that was great, but you mean that that's actually going to happen? You're actually going to be killed. You're going to be, ex you're going to be executed and you're going to be killed like a criminal? That wasn't just a metaphor. That wasn't just talking about, hey, when you're gone, there's gonna be people to follow. You're going to be killed and that's happening and that's happening now? Yeah. This was a shocking revelation to them. And it's a revelation that really unlocks everything that we just looked at in the passage. And as we walk back through it, it's because he's going to go and go die on a cross that the son of man is going to be glorified. Makes sense now. It's because he's gonna go die on a cross that the seed 
is gonna die and go into the earth. It's because he's gonna go die on a cross that he's gonna bear fruit. It's because he's gonna go die on a cross that there are gonna be people that he brings to life that share his same heartbeat. There's gonna be a, a, a life to these people. Because he's gonna go and die on a cross, he's gonna provide eternal life to those people. Because he's gonna die on a cross, he's going to serve us by dying for us to extend forgiveness to us. Because he's gonna die on a cross, he's gonna glorify not just himself. He's gonna bring glory to God the Father. He's dying, but he's not just dying. He's dying for an amazing purpose. It's the hope that we get to at the end of verse 32, that by his death, he will draw all people to myself. Jesus was dying to bear fruit. Pastor Joel. And so here we have this crowd who had gathered and they wanted to see Jesus. They wanted to see the king. They wanted to see the Messiah. They wanted to see this triumphal person who had entered into the town on what we now call the triumphal entry, understanding the whole scope of Holy Week. And what they found was a person who gave them a message that was very different than what they were expecting. You see, they were expecting to see a king conquering, coming into town. They were expecting to see that king be glorified. It would even be understandable to have a voice from heaven and this supernatural experience to verify this is the new king. It would also be understandable that the new king might bring judgment with him. But what they weren't expecting at all is that that new king was going to share with them, I'm going to die on a cross. I'm going to be crucified. And so here now they have a lot of questions and we pick it up in verse 34, and we see the crowd again. The crowd answered him, we have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? So the same group of people, we wanna see Jesus, now they're like, oh, they're so confused. Why are they confused? We've heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. They had an incredible conviction regarding the word of God. The problem was they only understood a portion of the word of God. They were very religious people, but they didn't have a full understanding of the word of God. And so they have this huge dilemma, understanding that the king is supposed to be reigning forever. Well, how can you say that? Because the word of God says the king is supposed to remain forever, and how can you say that the son of man must be lifted up? How can he remain forever and die by being crucified? How can those two things happen? Who is this son of man? Well, the word of God cannot be broken. And Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, remains forever. And Jesus, the Christ, the conquering king, was lifted up on a cross. And Jesus, the Christ, is the son of man that Jesus refers to. He's referring to himself. In the calendar, we celebrate Resurrection Sunday next Sunday. 
But as a believer, we celebrate Resurrection Sunday every day. We celebrate resurrected life every day. And the death of the Son of Man, Jesus, became resurrected life. It's the point of why Jesus says, if a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it will bear much fruit. He's the first fruit of the resurrection, is Jesus Christ being raised from the dead. The passage goes on in verse 35. So Jesus said to them, the light, now he's referring to himself, so he's now calling himself the light. The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light. So he's referring to himself, I'm with you right now, and I'm gonna be with you for a little while longer because he knows he's heading towards the cross. So he's saying, walk, walk around. The light, you have the light right now, enjoy the light. Lest darkness overtake you. In other words, the absence of Jesus would be darkness. And I just want to make note that we can see in our world right now places where there is the absence of Jesus Christ. Amen. And the darkness has gotten very dark. We can see it in our world right now. This next phrase makes total sense. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. And I can't tell you how many times I have walked through my house in the dark and stubbed my toe. I didn't even know I had a toe. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I knew I had a toe. Or I was attacked aggressively in the middle of the night. As I was walking through my house, I was attacked by a Lego that I stepped on. <laughs> and the pain that I felt went all the way to my brain. Some of you right now, you might be feeling like you're in life right now, walking around in the dark and you don't know where you're going and you're stubbing your toe and you're in pain because you're walking in darkness. Jesus invites you into the resurrected life. Jesus invites you into the resurrected life, that you might be bearing fruit, that you might pee, be a part of the fruit he died to bear. And he doesn't want you walking around in darkness anymore. There's no reason to be walking around in darkness. In John chapter 15, Jesus helps us see how he wants us to be connected to him. This is a few chapters later. In verses four and five, Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So he, he calls himself a grain of wheat. He calls himself the light. Now he's calling himself the vine, like a, like a grapevine. And unless the branch is connected to the grapevine, then there won't be grapes on the branch. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And that last sentence right there, that last phrase might be describing what you feel in your life right now. You can't do anything. Man, it's not because you're not trying, but things are just not working. Well, the reason you can't do anything 
is because if you're separated from Jesus, you can do nothing. And you don't need to live separated from Jesus. You need to live actually connected to Jesus. You need to understand that the grain of wheat died. Jesus died for you on the cross to pay for your sin, to pay for my sin, to connect you to him, to connect you to God the Father. And to trust in him and to place your trust in Jesus that you might abide in him and be connected to him, that you might be able to experience a life that is described as the much fruit. It's described as walking in the light. It's described as the branch that's bearing the grapes, the much fruit. Jesus invites you into that resurrected life that you might bear fruit. And so my encouragement to you today is that you would become the fruit, the resurrected life that Jesus died for. He died to make it possible. And my encouragement to you would be to become that fruit. Become that resurrected life that Jesus died for, that Jesus died to make possible, that the grain of wheat died and was buried in the ground and was resurrected. That's what we have as Resurrection Sunday. We celebrate it next week. We celebrate it every day that he might be the first fruits of the resurrection and that we might follow him in being fruit of the resurrected life. And I encourage you to become the fruit, the resurrected life that Jesus died for. As we kind of fast forward in John 12 to a little bit later on in the passage, Jesus is gonna explain some things and it's very clear. And I'm gonna walk through these verses, we're gonna explain what they mean and I'm gonna give you an invitation to become the fruit, the resurrected life that Jesus died for, that you might be alive. In verse 44, Jesus cried out and said, whoever believes in me, so that's the key, is that you would believe in Jesus Christ. John chapter 12, verse 44. Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. He's saying, if you believe in Jesus, you believe in God the Father also. If you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, you also believe in God the Father. That's what he's saying. Verse 45, and whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. So if you see Jesus, you see God the Father. If you see Jesus, the Son of God, you see God the Father. In other words, if you see Jesus showing up in your life right now, you're seeing God the Father showing up in your life right now. In the next verse, 46, I have come into the world as light. So he specifically calls himself light again. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. There is no reason for you to remain in darkness. And the way that you stop living in darkness is by believing in Jesus Christ, who is the light. And it's the purpose of why Jesus came. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not Remain in darkness. Jesus does not want you to remain in darkness. Verse 47. If anyone hears my words, so if you can hear the words of Jesus, which you are right now, I just read them. If you can hear the words of Jesus, if anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. 
You know, some people think, man, Christians just want to judge everybody. God just wants to judge everybody. That's just the whole point. He just wants to judge everybody. Okay, let's read it again. I do not judge him. Why? For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The whole point of why the grain of wheat was gonna go into the ground and die and bear much fruit is because Jesus is explaining he came to be the light. That we wouldn't have to walk in darkness as we believe in him. Jesus, in this triumphal entry, is heading to the cross to pay for our sin. To be buried and to be raised on the third day. To be resurrected, to conquer sin and to conquer death so that he might conquer sin and conquer death in our lives. And he wants us to place our faith in him. But if anyone hears his words and does not keep them, he doesn't judge them, for he didn't come to judge the world, but to save the world. So, what happens then? Verse 48, the one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. So, you hear the words of Jesus, you either accept them or you reject them. If you accept them, you place your faith in Jesus and you trust in him. If you reject them, what happens? The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. What does that mean? That means if you hear the words of Jesus, which includes everyone right now, you've heard the words of Jesus, and you choose to reject them, Jesus is not going to judge you. You rejecting him will be your judge. You rejecting the words of Jesus Christ, the very words that you rejected will be what judges you on the last day. In other words, when you stand before God. Your own rejection of him will be what judges you. Verse 49, for I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who has sent me himself has given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. Jesus, the Son of God, is saying, God the Father has told me what to say. I'm saying it to you, and you're hearing it. You've heard it, and you need to believe in me. And as you hear me, you're either going to accept what I say and believe in me, or you're going to reject it, and your own rejection of what I've said, your own rejection of what I said, that's what will judge you. Verse 50, and I know that his commandment, Jesus is saying, I know that God the Father's commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. In other words, the God of heaven, God the Father, sends his son, Jesus Christ, to planet Earth, and Jesus is entering town on triumphal entry on Palm Sunday, and he's the resurrected life. And he's heading to the cross so that we might have life in him so that we might have eternal life. I know that his commandment is eternal life. And now, you're hearing it. You're hearing it. And you'll do two things. One, you will hear the words of Jesus that you need to believe in Jesus as Lord God and as Savior from your sin that he is the grain of wheat that died so that you might be part of the much fruit that he bears in the resurrected life. You're hearing that you need to believe in Jesus Christ as son of God, as Lord God, and as savior from your sin, and that he's the light that's come into the world, and that there's no reason that you need to walk in darkness, but you can walk in light in him. And you're hearing that you need to believe in Jesus Christ as Lord God and savior from your sin, because your life is to be like a branch that has tons of grapes on it. 
because it's connected to the vine, who is Jesus. And apart from being connected to Jesus, you can't do anything. And so you're hearing, what is it to have eternal life? It is to believe in Jesus Christ. And if you are here and you need to place your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord God and Savior of your sin, then I want to invite you to do that right now. There's a verse in Scripture. It is so simple and it is so powerful, and I want to share it with you. It's Acts 16.31, and it's simply this. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And if you are here and today's the day, you need to believe in the Lord Jesus that you might experience salvation, that you may no longer walk in darkness, you'll no longer be accomplishing nothing because you're disconnected from him, You'll no longer be alone, but you would be in Christ. My encouragement would be, now's the moment for you to believe in the Lord Jesus that you might be saved. And if you are here and you need to believe in the Lord Jesus, I would like to pray for you. And so I'm asking, if that's you, would you stand where you're sitting? Stand up from where you're sitting. And if you're here and you need to place your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord God and Savior from your sin, I want to invite you to stand right now. And I would like to pray for you. Okay. Anyone else? You're here. And you know, today, you need to believe in the Lord Jesus as Lord God and Savior from your sin. I would just invite you to stand. I want to pray for you. I won't know who you are unless you let me know who you are, though. And so if you're here, I just invite you to stand. Anyone else? Today's the day you need to believe in the Lord Jesus. I should invite you to stand. It's a safe place. Anyone else? Okay. Well, we're going to pray for the one who is, and there may be others who didn't want to stand. And I'm going to pray for you too. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I thank you for the one here who's indicated that he wants to place his faith in you and trust in you. And so God, I ask that you would meet him right where he is and that you would help him place his faith and trust in you. God, that he might experience resurrected life. And God, there may be others who did it, they didn't want to stand, but they know that they need to place their faith in you. And God, I, I pray that you would help them to do that right now, to help them trust in you to place their faith in you as Lord God and Savior from their sin. And that you would help each person make that decision to follow you today, to accept Jesus Christ. And so I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said, amen. amen. Now, for those who have indicated and maybe for those who haven't, maybe you're trusting in Jesus today but you haven't let me know yet. Well, there's a way that I want everybody to let me know, and it's this Connect card. And you fill out the front with your information, and on the back, there's a decision. It says, today I received Christ as my Lord God and Savior for the first time. And if that is you, even if you didn't stand, I want to encourage you to fill this card out, because I would like to follow up with you. I would like to know that you're placing your faith in Jesus Christ, and I would like to be able to be praying for you and to be following up with you. And so I want to encourage you, please, let me know. And the way you can do it is by filling out this card. 
You can take this card, you can place it in one of the connect card boxes, they're right next to the door, or you can come to the altar room and you can hand it to one of our team members and they'll pray with you. But I would really love to know, if you're placing your faith in Jesus, I would love to know, and you can use this connect card to let me know. Because I'd really love to follow up with you and to walk with you as you're placing your faith in Jesus. Now I wanna invite everyone to stand. And our team, in just a moment, Pastor Brandon's gonna pray for us and our team is gonna lead us in singing. But I wanna share with you one more verse. And it is a verse that explains for all of us what do we do now? That the, the grain of wheat went into the ground, it died, and it's now bearing much fruit. Jesus says this in John chapter 15, verse eight. He says, by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are to all be bearing fruit. We're to all be branches full of grapes for the glory of God. We're to all be walking around in the light. We're to all be bearing fruit for the glory of God. And that proves that we're his disciple. And so I wanna encourage you in that, that we might walk as people who are glorifying God as we're allowing God to bear fruit in our lives. Pastor Brandon, we pray. Lord, we thank you, God, that you, you're the way, you're the truth, you are the life and the light. And Lord, thank you that you have invited us into that life, God. I look around this room and I see the people that you have brought to light out of darkness into life. And Lord, I just pray that you would just help us, God, to reflect you well. Lord, enjoy that life so that we can share how you have saved us and brought us into life. God, may we get the word out this week. May this house be full next week, Lord. People longing, Lord, to worship you. Thank you for a chance to look at your word. Thank you for who you are. Hear me pray. Amen. Amen.